What you need to worry about is being a teacher and doing what you do best, which is exactly like you said, knowing those instructional methods and knowing how to reach your student and knowing knowing your student and, and, and taking a piece of content and adapting it to them, right? We, we need the teachers as partners in this process. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. At Texas AER this spring, I met an exciting colleague from Maryland, who you may know, Mr. Cody LaPlante. He knows the itinerant biz and has created curriculum to meet the needs of teachers and students. I am a itinerant teacher of students with visual impairments um, currently. I work for uh, Baltimore County Public Schools. Um, I, I started my career at the Maryland School for the Blind. I taught technology for them. Uh, and I also run a company called IT, where we uh, develop and sell curriculum to school districts on mainly on screen reader instruction. And how did you get into uh, becoming an itinerant? Why did you want to be a, a TVI? Yeah, so I have a slight visual impairment myself. I have nystagmus um, and macular hypoplasia. And, you know, as... As these things happen, uh, I grew up in Connecticut and you know how all of the blind kids in a state end up knowing each other and getting connected through camps and programs. And um, in, in Connecticut, the BESBY, the Board of Education and Services for the Blind, they ran all these programs. And I became very grounded in the blindness community from an early age. And when I decided I wanted to become a teacher, it kind of seemed like an easy decision instead of going into the classroom to become a TVI. So so you connected early on, it sounds like. And uh, did you have a hard time, you know, just based on your eye condition, um, did you have a hard time identifying with other blind students or did you just kind of fit in right away? That's a great question. I don't think I had a hard time identifying with other blind students because as is the case with a lot of our low vision students that, that I teach now, it's especially back when I was going to school, it was much harder to hide. So, so I remember just being in school with the, you know, the big, huge CRT, CCV, CCTV on a cart, you know, wheeling it from class to class. And I guess I kind of always felt like the outsider and and so when i found that community it was very much so this is where i belong like this is where people that know my experience exist that's awesome like i bet just be serving uh as a teacher with your students like having that perspective to share is probably huge for them yeah and it's i mean and it's really rewarding for me and honestly makes my job a lot easier in so many ways where especially for our students who do have a hard time identifying as uh, having a visual impairment or being blind is I, I can definitely relate to them and know and know what they're feeling. And it, it makes it a lot easier to respond as a teacher if you if you better understand uh, what your students are going through. 
before we talk about your business, uh, what about your work in Maryland? Like what age range of kids do you serve? Do you have to travel a lot? What's it look like for you? When I worked at the School for the Blind, I, I taught technology and it was site-based, just like just like Texas. Um, and uh, I taught mainly elementary school, elementary and middle school uh, students. And the model was, or still is, um, uh, it, it was more of a specials class. So students would come to me for two times a week and it was elementary, middle school, academic and functional programs, uh, which was awesome for me as a new teacher because it it it, it really required that I stretch my skills from when you go from a, you know, a sixth grade academic class to a, a first grade functional class, you're working on things that are completely different and you're kind of doing that all day. So I, I learned a lot there. Um, and then when I began thinking about starting a business, I realized that the clientele is going to be mainly itinerant. And I thought it was important for me to know what that itinerant lifestyle is like. Um, so I uh, left MSB and and started work at Baltimore County in 2019. So right before the pandemic, um, <laughs> which was uh, interesting. But I mean, it's such a different job, right? Like it's it's not the same job at all. They do a great job of keeping us kind of within a territory. Baltimore County is huge, but um, I, I work mainly in one specific territory. My my caseload is a, a reasonable size, um, and yeah, you kind of I kind of have the gamut. I mean, as far as you know, I have academic Braille readers. I have kids with CVI. I love the the job of, of an itinerant. It allows me to have like a really personal connection with a student and really feeling like you you really make a, a deep impact in a student's programs. I was involved in like a ton of, I mean, I, I had probably, I don't know, you know, 50, 60 students at one time, um, but you're only involved in like a small part of their program. Whereas now on my direct service caseload um, for Baltimore County, I, I have like seven students, but it's a huge piece of their case. You know, I'm, you know, I'm their, I'm their TBI. It's huge. Right. So as with those uh, seven students you're doing, I'm, I'm assuming you're doing all areas of the ECC and not just technology. Correct. Yeah. So that, and then that was another thing is that, you know, I went from just teaching technology all day, every day to now I'm doing Braille and technology and sensory efficiency. And with one student, I'm doing a tactile graphics goal and, and it, again, requires me to stretch my skills in so many different ways. So um, it was a great transition um, and definitely humbling. That's such a good idea why you went to itinerant work, because if you're going to create a product for itinerants, like looking back now, do you think you could have come up with the same ideas if you'd stayed in the classroom? No. <laughs> and and I, I can give you a very specific reason why. Um, so when um, me and uh, the co-founder, actually, we, we created our our business model. The first thing that we started with was we're going to create a, a company that creates professional development. And in, in my mind, um, I think when I said professional development, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah because, you know, you have the time to, you know, sit down and, and digest a piece of professional development. And then being itinerant, I'm like, there is no way that an itinerant teacher that has a regular caseload is going to have time to to sit down and digest this whole course on their own. And so that's where we, we made our transition from professional development over to curriculum, um, because the realization being, you know, as an itinerant teacher, I'm like, oh, 
we don't specialize, right? We, we do all of the things. So instead of creating a professional development where we're teaching the teacher how to teach and then expecting them to then go into service and teach it, why don't we create a tool that they can use with their student and then they'll they'll digest the concepts and the and the content while they're teaching, you know. So in that way, I mean, that's one specific example, but there's so many so many things that I could choose as far as oh, how is our product informed by my job? Oh my gosh, so many different ways. It's twice the work when teachers have to study and learn up on content and then also create a curriculum. You know, and it's it's a journey, right? Like when we started the company, we always talked about me and my, my co-founder is uh, Katrina Best. She actually she works for APH now. She's the, the product manager for Code Jumper and Code and Go Mouse. But when we started the company, the thing that we always said is you start one process and then as you're going through that process, the clarity of that process grows, but then you ask more questions. And so after years of doing that process over and over and over again, of course, now it seems like, oh, this is so obvious. But the process of getting there is like so long. I mean, it's the same thing as with our students, right? You know, when you're working on the next skill, it's it seems so obvious, but when you're looking at a beginning braille reader and you're looking at, oh, we have to teach the entire code, it's like overwhelming and, the, and it doesn't seem as clear, you know? Right. L- let's go ahead and talk more about your company. So it's very cleverly called IT, as in E-Y-E dot T. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, so what what is it? What do you guys offer? What we would like to offer, large scope, is, is we want to develop curriculum tools for uh, teachers to use alongside their students where the teacher is learning alongside the student. The way that we think about this is kind of like when you purchase a curriculum, like a regular reading or writing or math curriculum, you get a student edition, you get a teacher edition. The teacher edition tells you, hey, this is what's coming up. These are the instructional methods that you should look at. And this, these are the problems that are going to happen. And here's how to fix them. And then the student edition actually includes the content. And so that's kind of our model is, is instead of then making that into a book, we have an online portal where when you purchase one of our products, the teachers get their materials and the students get their materials so that there's a collaborative learning process. The content that we specialize in right now is a screen reader instruction. So instruction in JAWS, NVDA, and uh, Chromebox, mainly because there wasn't a lot of competition in that area. <laughs> there's, not, there's not a lot of things out there that teach teachers and teach students how to do that. There's, there's not a lot of TBIs that know how to use a screen reader because there's so many asks of itinerant TBIs, right? You have to learn Braille. You have to know how to service students with CVI. You need to learn how to use JAWS, right? So that's what we're currently doing. But I, I mean, in the future, we'd love to expand this model to include other content areas in assistive technology and then, you know, see where it goes from there. I like the term collaborative content, like and thinking about that in terms of teacher student collaboration. And I also like that you're recognizing that teachers aren't the experts in everything. I think that we've all found ourselves in the middle of a lesson that we learned the night before and hoping the student doesn't notice. But, you know, typically it's instructional strategies that have the largest impact on student achievement, not what, you know, what knowledge the teacher brings from years of experience. So I, I think it sounds like a really effective model. And really like the, some of the things that you hit on were like that we aren't the experts in everything. I, I feel this sense when I talk to TBIs that there's a guilt factor, right? I don't know how to use a screen reader and I feel guilty about it. 
And what we try to do is say, why? Don't feel guilty about it. There's no reason you should feel guilty about not knowing how to use a screen reader because you're in the majority, right? Like you, you this is not something that has become a basic competency in our field yet, but we believe we can get people there by saying, hey, guess what? You're gonna teach your student how to use JAWS, but you don't have to worry about all of the explanations and getting it all right. What you need to worry about is being a teacher and doing what you do best, which is exactly like you said, knowing those instructional methods and knowing how to reach your student and knowing knowing your student and, and, and taking a piece of content and adapting it to them, right? We, we need the teachers as partners in this process. We can't just throw a video in from in front of a student and expect them to learn JAWS, but we shouldn't expect TBIs to know every nook and cranny of JAWS or NVDA. That's, that's our job. And so that's, that's kind of the, the model that we've started to adopt in the, in the, the vibe, I guess you should say, that we've started to adopt. Um, and it, it seems to reach our customers from what we've heard so far. I'm guessing you've had the chance to see this uh, curriculum in action. And have you seen, like, do you have any positive examples you can share about some of the work done with students? The great thing about being an itinerant is once we develop a product, you know, I go out and use it with my own students. So there's there's that. Um, and and I think I'm a, I'm a bad example because I know it so well that I tend to jump around and say, oh, we're going to use this video on this video. But um, one of the stories that we just came through our email um, was from the Utah School for the Blind. And one of the teachers there, so they're using our curriculum in their digital literacy courses. And our latest part of the screen reader curriculum includes a children's book called Through the Magnifying Glass. Um, and the, the book is meant to go alongside the curriculum to make sure that um, and the book is about a blind teenager who's struggling with the identity of being blind. We're making sure that in addition to teaching students how to use a, a screen reader, that we're also covering that identity piece. What does it mean to use a screen reader and, and what identity pieces come alongside that? And one of the teachers emailed us and said, you know, we had a, a dual media learner that was kind of resistant and they started reading the book um, that we that is paired with our curriculum. and she said that immediately after the first chapter that he was like, okay, sounds good. I'm ready to go, ready to do this. And although that's step one, you know how, how large of a step that is for a student to make. So we were really pleased when that email came through. I, love, I like the idea of pairing it with these books. And is this one of the books written by Frankie? Yeah, so Through the Magnifying Glass is, is written by Frankie Ann Marcel. Um, and she actually is a friend of mine from high school. She she also was one of those blind teenagers in Connecticut that went through all these programs. So me and Frankie have a really deep history. And when she started writing books um, independent from us, but once she came out with her first book, it's called Yes, The Story of a Dreamer. It's a picture book. And so once we saw that come out and then we were developing this new curriculum, we're like, you know, <laughs> the the idea behind it was we were this this new piece of the curriculum uh, is called working with text. It's um, on reading, writing and editing text. And, you know, there's this thing when we teach assistive technology, we're like, well, let's just pull up some random story to teach you reading commands. And I'm like, instead of doing that, why don't we get a quality piece of literature that that tries to tackle some other issues alongside it? Right. Like, what does it mean to be blind? And when I reached out to Frankie and said, hey, here's our idea. 
she was like, oh, I have so many ideas for this. And my response was, that's awesome. I don't, I don't even know, need to know anymore. Just write a book for us and, and we'll include it. The book she turned out is, I mean, amazing in so many ways. When the first draft of the first chapter, um, she sent it to me, I was like, oh my gosh, what a relief to have a piece of fiction include like all of the feelings that I felt as a child, you know? From that moment, we're like, yes, we're including it. And and it's it's turned out to be one of the best features, I think, of our new curriculum. Well, I got to tell you, I just read her book, uh, Yes, the, the Story of a Dreamer, her children's book you referenced. And uh, this year at TSBVI, we've been talking a lot about looking for the yes. And uh, I was like, this is, this is so great. Like, it's exactly what we're trying to get at to empower students. Because like you said, so many times people, you know, our kids are told, no, you can't do that or no, for whatever reason. And so I just thought this is such a great children's book. I'm going to make sure our library has it, actually. It's so hard for, I mean, us as as TBIs to to find books that our students can relate to. And I mean, there's such a conversation happening now about representation and, and characters and books. And, you know, for us in the blindness field, you know, of course, we want our, our students' identities, all of our students' identities to be um, represented in books. But man, blindness is a hard one to find, <laughs> you know? Oh, for sure. Usually it's got, it's like an adult memoir. You know, there's, there's, there's a handful of great ones of those, but it's really hard to find younger books. So thinking about the Frankie's book and, you know, how that kind of brings in self-advocacy and then the screen reader bringing in the technology, it it's always feels like a good idea when you can combine multiple ECC strategies into one lesson, like tackling lots of different goals at once. Is that something that you hope to continue doing? Oh my gosh, yes. When we teach just technology in isolation, I've done it before. It's just not fun for anybody, you know. <laughs> yeah. <for laughs> and sure. the reason and the reason why is is because everybody knows like Everybody knows, the teacher knows, the student knows, you can sense, man, this is pointless, right? And technology is not pointless, right? We, we all use technology for a reason, right? And so why not bring those things into the lesson? And I, I tell you why not, the reason why not is because it takes so much effort to include so many goals into one lesson. And that's where, again, we feel like we can take the burden off of the TBI, right? If we can create a curriculum that teaches you how to use a screen reader, but also allows you to have really tough discussions with your learner about self-advocacy or, or allows you to, for example, in one of our modules, we're talking about headings, right? But then we also talk about um, accessibility, right? What does this mean? Why, why is it important to have headings in documents? And what can you do if, you're, if you go into a classroom and a heading is not in a document? That's something that I think is one of our draws, one of the things that we can take off the shoulders of TBIs by saying, hey, by the way, there's a connection here if you want to take the opportunity. Or there's a connection over here if you want to take this opportunity. Because it's it's so important. It allows the student to to feel the meaning of, of what you're doing. And it's really hard, right? It's hard to do. When you said that, uh, you know, it can be boring to teach technology in isolation. I was thinking back to when I was a first year teacher and I was being observed. I think I was teaching Braille and I was doing like letter drills or something awful <laughs> that's that I and uh, the lady observing me was like you look so bored and so yeah, does your yeah. student <laughs> it was yeah. like 
oh, you mean I have to make this meaningful to them? And yes. so, I mean, it's, it's so, so great that you're packaging all of that for a teacher. So even a new teacher can access it. And to really to piggyback off your story, I remember in college when I was when I was going to school to be a TVI, I remember telling one of my professors, oh, I will never teach assistive technology. This is the most boring thing I could ever teach. I will never do it. And then, of course, my first job, I taught technology at MSP. And then I've it, this has kind of been my entire life. And I look back and I'm like, I want why did I think that I wasn't going to like it? Oh, that's right. Because the the AT instruction that I was exposed to in college was, you know, this is a Braille display. Let's start on the left. The leftmost button is the power button, the next button. And of course, you need to do that, right? Like that's not something that you can skip over. But by incorporating other things in, you're like, oh, this is this is the reason why we need to learn those. It's not just the ends, right? The end is not Braille drills or the end is not, you know, yeah. let's learn the buttons on the Braille display. The end is what do you need to do? Let's try to do it, you know? Great. Well, this was so, this is awesome. Actually, I'm really excited that, that you shared about this because I think there's some general teaching tips that go along with the curriculum that you've created that would be helpful for most people to consider. Um, so it seems like a translatable skill, like even for a teacher, if they were using your curriculum, I could imagine they're like, oh, how could I do this with some other areas we're trying to cover? I mean, I think that that's kind of our, our point is that the things that we're trying to, to hit on, we're just taking good teaching and applying it to content that typically doesn't involve great teaching, right? But the the techniques that we're talking about are not specific to screen readers. It's we could we could generalize that to everything. It's just there's a huge gap in that screen reader instruction. I think the reason why is because I don't think that great teachers realize, hey, I could use the same things that I'm doing over here with Braille and I can use those same techniques over here with screen readers. And and that's all we're trying to do is just bridge that gap and and make people realize, oh, it's not you don't have to be a screen reader expert. You just have to be a good teacher. And And so many of our customers already are. So it's you know, it's easy to do. Now, where do folks find your curriculum or where can they learn more about it or maybe see some samples? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to our website, itvision.com. That's E-Y-E-T-V-I-S-I-O-N.com. And from there, you can get to all of our products. Our, our screen reader curriculum has two parts. Both of those parts, you can uh, see free previews. And then if you email us, um, we'll schedule a, a curriculum demo and we'll set you up with a trial the luck that we've had in in creating this and and getting funds in we've used that budget to then create free materials um on youtube and on facebook um so every week we come out with a new tech tip tuesday video it's about three to four minutes in length and it's one screen reader skill and you can find us on youtube you can uh, search it e-y-e period t and it should come up should be the first thing that comes up do you know an infant or toddler in texas who may have a vision problem they may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. Check out Cody's company, i.t. That's I as in eyeball dot T as in the letter T. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and A Sense of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time.
This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.